And I think God's word just kind of sets us up beautifully for uh, starting out the new year right. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. So we're like almost at the very end of the Bible, right? And this is how God concludes it. He says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. In other words, God's making a promise. And this is kind of a, an ultimate, global, eternal kind of promise that we know, but it shows us the heart of God. He made this earth. He made a perfect world. Sin came in, spoiled it, it's chaotic, it's a mess today, as we well know. But God's saying, in the end, this is my heart, I'm going to make it all fresh and new for you all over again. So take a look at the word new, all things new. In the Greek language, it's helpful to know that there's, our English language doesn't really do justice in giving precision to some of the meanings of the words like the Greek does. So there's actually two Greek words that we translate into our English word new. One of those words means that it's new of a different kind, and the other one means it's new of the same kind. And so new in the one sense is it never existed before. I'm making something that's so new that nobody's ever seen it until this moment. And then the other word, which is used here, is the one that was that means it's it's kind of a remaking of something. So it existed before, but it's gone into deterioration. It's gone downhill. It's a total mess. It's a disaster. And God is saying, I'm going to reconstitute it. I'm going to make it into something that's like I intended from the very beginning. What's fun is that that same word, other places in the the Bible, is translated fresh. And so I've taken that as my title this morning. This is a fresh start. This is a new beginning in the sense of God remaking something into the intense and perfect purposes that he originally had for us. Anybody on board for this? I mean, 2016's gone. Let's get a let's get a fresh start in what God intends in our lives in this year. So my dad, he was a factory worker, but uh, we had a small five-acre farm. He did a lot of farming, and uh, his favorite tra- tractor was the John Deere H. And uh, so I kind of witnessed this personally. This is what they look like. So, uh, so what Dad would do, we didn't have a lot of money. So he, at least twice that I can remember, he went and he bought junk John Deere H tractors. And I mean, rusted out, parts missing, motor froze up. Uh, it, was, it was, I mean, when he brought those home, I'm, I'm thinking as a kid, are you kidding me? What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this mess? And uh, so, and my mess obviously asked the same question. He said, "Well, I'm going to, I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to make it work, and I'm going to use it." And when he got done, I mean, literally, he would take everything apart, tore completely apart, parts scattered all over the barn, tore the engine down, rebuilt it, painted. He got all the original uh, kind of a John Deere color paints, and he would paint it up. And when he get done, it would look just like that. It's amazing, and it worked too. Dad saw something in the junk pile that other people thought was worthless, and he bought it for pennies on the dollar because nobody else wanted to invest in it. I want you to know when God looks at your life, and I don't care what kind of a mess it is in this moment, he sees something out of his original purpose and intent for your life that he knows can still become a reality. He makes all things new. 
can't mess it up so much that God cannot remake it into what he intends it to be in our lives. So we're going to talk about a prayer for a fresh start. There's no better place in the Bible to go than Psalm 51. I wish we had time to do the whole chapter. I've just chosen three verses that I feel just kind of captures the essence of what that's all about. But and before we read it, let me just give you a little background of the story, okay? Because this is written by, uh, by David, King David, after a colossal failure in his life. Um, he was a man, David was a, he was a brave warrior. He was a brilliant leader. He was one of the most loved men that ever lived as a leader. But he messed up royally. I mean, to the point that you would, th- you would really wonder if there's any possibility of recovery for him. And he went through a period of time where all he was doing was, uh, was crisis management. Um, he, he was just trying, to, he, he was just trying to, to, to cover things, to hide it the best he possibly could. But uh, it, it eventually all collapsed on him. And he found himself humbled before the Lord. And he prays this prayer that's remarkable in so many ways. Let's just look at verses 9 through 12. Don't keep looking at my sins. Can you picture God having, or David having this conversation with God? His shame is exposed. I mean, he thought that people didn't know what had, had happened. He'd covered it really well. And then the prophet Nathan comes to him and just lays it out and tells him everything. So it's really obvious God knows. He may have hidden it from others, but he didn't hide it from the one that really counted. And so now David, his shame exposed, is saying, please don't, please don't quit. Just don't look at that anymore. I can't stand to have you see what I've done with my life. And then he prays, remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence, and please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. I want to focus on three words, and they're underlined on the screen. Remove, renew, and restore. And if you could, do I need to switch mics? It feels like it's cutting out on me. Is it doing all right? Okay. Uh, if you can remember these three words this morning, then uh, gold star for you, all right? Uh, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing prayer. And we're going to talk about those three things. It's kind of my three points, my outline for this morning. So let's go to the first one, remove my guilt. Lord, would you please remove my guilt? And, and I'd just like to put in front of you, if, if we're really going to have the start to 2017 that all of us need, there's some stuff that we got to deal with. Okay, so let's just start there. Remove the guilt. Verse 9, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the guilt, the stain of my guilt. Uh, Ten days ago, we were in here for, on a Wednesday evening for what we called a family communion time. And uh, it was really a memorable time. It'll, it'll stick with me for a long time. Um, the aisles on both sides were filled with people, uh, pastoral staff all across the front here, in one family at a time, sometimes one individual at a time. We would just have communion together, serve, serve communion, pray together, have a few moments of uh, ending 2017, 2016 and starting 2017. And it just struck me. Here we are 
a few days away from Christmas, celebrating the birth of Jesus. And the way we're celebrating that birth in this moment is to think about the purpose of that birth, which ironically and ultimately was for him to die. And that's what the communion part of it was all about. So it's the birth of Jesus, but we're taking communion, which is all about his death. And we have to put those two things together, which means that God anticipated from the very beginning our humanity, our proneness to sin, to failure. And he didn't want us to come into today or tomorrow or any day. It doesn't have to be New Year's Day. He doesn't want us to come into the next day carrying the baggage of the weight of our guilt, regrets, condemnation, remorse, and those things, all of us, all of us are destined to do that without the greatest gift of all, which was Jesus Christ giving his life and paying the penalty for our sins so we don't have to pay those sins. We can lay down the guilt. We can walk away clean and fresh. It's just an amazing, amazing prayer. Remove the guilt from my life. What a way to start. There's some things that we just need to deal with so that that guilt goes away and it doesn't become baggage that we need to carry around with us. Uh, There's another verse before we get there. Let's talk about New Year's resolutions. I'm sorry, I've I've reached the stage of life where I don't do them anymore. (laughs) Have you read the statistics? On the percentage of people that keep their resolution, New Year's resolutions, for even 30 days, it's pitiful. So don't kid yourself. You know, there's really, there's only, really only two things that are powerful enough to motivate real change in our lives, and they are hope and disgust. Hope that things can be better. And just total disgust with the way things are. And those two things, and what's cool about Psalm 51, you ought to read the whole thing this afternoon or sometime this week. What's cool about it is the whole chapter is completely saturated with both. It's total disgust with the sin, with the failure that's there, what David has done himself to himself and to others. And at the same time, it's just all wrapped up completely. He's embraced, just saturated with hope. God's saying there's, there's, this can change. It can be new. It can be fresh again. We can, have, we can get the joy back. We can, ha- we can live once again. It's the hope and it's the disgust. The, more than 30 years ago, I was a young pastor and... Uh, uh, a couple that were at that point, I think probably in their early 30s, came to me for marriage counseling. So, uh, uh, which I was ill prepared for. But it's very, some of these, some of these things get, so, you pastor long enough, you get stories etched in your mind, you just can't get them out. And this is one of them. So uh, they sat down, and uh, I hear her side of the story first. And her side of the story is that she comes home. And her husband is upstairs, two-story house. He's upstairs. He's thrown the windows open, and he's pitching stuff out the window in a rage. I'm just pitching it, piles of stuff on the ground below that he has thrown out the window. She calls the cops. The police come. It's a domestic dispute. And long story short, they end up in my office. So I'm wondering, what kind of an animal is this guy? So then I hear his side of the story. 
He said, uh, here's the deal. My wife is a hoarder. And he said, when I walk in my front door, I have to walk down a narrow path through the living room to get to the kitchen because there is no space to sit in that room. Everything is piled chest high or above with junk that she accumulates and will not get rid of. Every room in the house, including the upstairs, he said, I just got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore, and I decided I'm getting some of this garbage out of here. I cannot live with it anymore. I love my wife. I want to live with my wife, but I absolutely refuse to live with this junk. It's like, okay, I get it. But they had some work to do. They had some serious work to do. But that's the kind of disgust that David is feeling here. It's like, okay, I've done these things. I thought I did a decent job of, of uh, covering it up and uh, keeping it from the eyes of the public. But I'm tormented. He says in these verses, I am literally tormented all day, all night. I can't get away from this. I can't stand it another minute. God, please quit looking at that mess in my life. And will you just purify me? Cleanse me. Get it out of here. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I just want it gone. And you know, God does that for us. That's what this prayer is. God, would you remove the guilt, the junk from my life and make me whole and make me clean once again. Let us strip off, Hebrews 12.1, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And that's the point. It hinders our progress. Or there's big or little. It hinders our progress. And so God's offer to us out of the gate is, listen, I will deal with this. I will take this away. I'll remove the baggage. I'll remove the remorse and the regret and the guilt and the condemnation. And I'm going to give you a fresh start. It's, a, it's amazing what God is offering to us. God's people had a very checkered history. I love, I love reading the Bible. I mean, they had some amazing highs. And they had some amazing lows in their lifetime. And the contrast sometimes just boggles your mind. But that was the reality of the situation. I love the realness of the whole thing. It's not just all mushy, gushy, positive stuff. It's the real deal in life. But God is saying, listen, I got a plan for you. I've got a calling on you. And I'm going to remove the stuff that becomes an obstacle to you fulfilling your destiny. I'm not going to make you do anything, but I'm going to make it possible for you to fulfill your calling. I love these, these verses from the Old Testament in the book of uh, Isaiah, I believe. Bring up that next one. Oh, if it's not in there, let me read it. Isaiah 43, there we go. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. This kind of sounds like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And God's saying, listen, I'm not going to kill you, 
but I am going to make it stronger. When you go through, it's not if, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I'm going to make this happen for you. I'm going to make possibilities possible for you. This is my gift. This is what I'm going to do. So the first part of the prayer is, Lord, would you please remove the guilt, the stain of my guilt. The second part of the prayer is, Lord, would you renew my heart? Renew my heart. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. So the first thing is about the behaviors, right? It's about the things that we do that are disobedient or sinful or wrong, dangerous in some way. It's about those behaviors. This part goes deeper than that. It goes to the very heart. You can, you can try to modify your behaviors, but, uh, you know, ultimately, willpower gives out, and we just, we're not very good at doing that. And so, God goes to the heart of the matter, because when he changes us at the heart, then he really changes us. I love the, the message translation of this verse. Eugene Peterson puts it this way, God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Cool phrasing. I just, that whole picture, Genesis week. Think back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, where it describes the earth at that point as being empty, formless, and cloaked in darkness. And then God speaks, and light comes into existence. And then he separates the waters from the land. He creates, he creates the planet as we know it. And then he begins to, to put vegetation on it. And he brings animal life and sea life and bird life. And then ultimately human life. And in a week's time, what God does is utterly transform complete chaos into something that's gloriously beautiful. And the prayer is, would you take me in the mess that I am the hopelessness that I feel and turn me into something that brings great honor and glory to your name. So I brought a prop with me today. A little red wagon. And uh, it's got some years on it, as you can tell. In fact, it's got more than 60 years on it because I played with this little guy when I was, when I was a little tyke. Just a little guy. And the reason why I still have it is because there's a story behind it. And the story is, one day I was out playing with my little wagon. You can picture a guy about this high. And I got bored with it. And so I started, they were the ones skateboards in those days, but we did have scooters. I, I, I played with it like it was a skateboard or a scooter. One foot inside and the other one pushing along, hanging onto the handle. And I was running around the backyard doing that kind of thing. And then I got bored with it. And I just gave it a big kick and slammed it into a big old oak tree. Well, my mom was in the kitchen watching all this from, uh, from the, sink, the window over the sink. And she comes outside, and she says, Steve, go get your little red wagon. Bring it here. And I'm going, I'm in trouble. 
I'm going to, at the minimum, I'm going to, I'm going to get a real scolding here. So I bring it to her sheepishly. I, I knew what, what was coming. And she said, I want to tell you a story. And she said, you know, um, a couple years ago, I wanted to get you a birthday present, and there wasn't any money. And you know that patch of rhubarb out there in the back? I said, I went and I cut that, cut rhubarb, took it inside, I washed it up, I, sl- I cut it into sticks, and I packaged it all up. And she said, I went door to door to our neighbors and to the local grocery stores, and I sold enough rhubarb and saved up enough money to buy that for you. I can't tell you how that story changed my heart about that. I never, I never abused that wagon again in my life. I couldn't because suddenly it wasn't just a toy. It was an expression of love that meant something to me. And I've, I've packed that thing up and moved it around with us a few times. And it's still in my possession. And I'll probably keep it till the day I die or at least as long as I can. Because it's just a reminder. And that's what God does for us. He, he, he creates those stories that allow us to understand the depth of his love for us. So that that love then becomes the powerful motivation that changes us. I literally became disgusted with the fact that I rammed that thing into a tree. I was mad at myself for doing it after that. Totally changed everything. And I fell in love with a little piece of rusty metal because of what it means to me. Jesus changes us. He changes the heart. He goes to the core of who we are, and he works at it. He works on us from that level to turn us into something that otherwise we could never be. Ezekiel has a beautiful, beautiful phrase. Promise, another promise from God, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a see God knows how this thing works. He, he, knows, he knows how to change us in the ways that we need change. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your, look at this, stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Pause for a second and look at the contrast. Stony, stubborn, tender, responsive. So the stony heart is replaced with a tender heart. The stubborn heart is replaced with a responsive heart. That's what God does with us. And if you know the story behind this, the people of Israel, when, when Ezekiel is writing this, um, he's in captivity with the rest of his nation in Babylon. And the whole reason they're there is because God's dealing with that stony, stubborn heart that caused them to totally walk away from everything that he wanted for them. The destiny he had planned for them was gone. They just, they didn't care. They didn't want to hear it. They, they wanted to just do what they wanted to do. They wanted to make it. They just wanted their life to be what they wanted to be. And this is where they wound up. And he said, listen, I got a better plan for you. And it's a tender, responsive heart so that we can have a relationship that means something and your life can have some purpose that it wouldn't have if all you do is just do what you want to do. Take out the stony, stubborn heart, Lord, please, and give me a tender and responsive heart. What an amazing prayer. What an amazing prayer that is. God has, uh, God's changed me. My mom's story changed my heart about 
this little wagon. But Jesus changed my heart at an early age. And the reason I'm where I am today is because he made a change inside of me. Probably there's a series of things that all add up. But I can remember as early as seven years of age. And I wasn't that terrible of a kid. But I realized there was something flawed inside of me even at that young age. And invited Jesus into my life, and I, and I asked him to make me into a different kind of a person. That's all we need to do, is to go to him and pray that prayer. Lord, would you remove the guilt? Let's, get all, let's take care of all that junk, get it out of there. And would you change me on the inside, so that it's, it's not just about uh, uh, image management. It's not just about behavior modification. It's about an internal transformation that results in a completely new and different life for me. By your grace. Let's go to the third part of this. So we've got remove the guilt, renew my heart, and then thirdly, restore my joy. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. From, uh, from time to time over the years, Jonah said to me, you used to be fun. You made me laugh. I want that person back again. But you know, life has a way of of changing you. Because life tends to draw us away from God and other things that ought to be our top priorities. And we just focus on other things. Some good and some neutral and some bad. But life just has a way of changing us. And the changes have a way of stealing that joy that once was. I mean, she's talking about back when we were in college and I didn't have a cure in the world. Right? So it was just all, all fun and games back then. But the sin enters in at some point. And when sin enters in, joy goes out. I mean, isn't this really what this whole thing is all about? David gets to the point where he realizes, I don't have any joy anymore. And then this is the guy who danced so freely in worship before the Lord that his wife was embarrassed uh, of his behaviors. But he was just that kind of a free spirit where he just he loved life and he loved God. And he gave it everything that he had. And he gets to the point where he said, my, my, life, is, my life is, I don't like it anymore. I would like to have my joy back. And so make me willing to obey you because somehow there's a correlation between those two things. But would you give me my joy back? And can I just say, I don't know where you've been last night or last year or any of that kind of stuff. But I can tell you this. There are some things that steal our joy, and there's nothing that will get our attention, like the fact that that joy is gone, and we don't know how to get it back, and you can medicate yourself as much as you want to. You're not going to get that joy back that route. You can spend all the money you got, and you can spend money you don't have. And that joy is not going to bring the joy back. And you're like, you cannot create that joy. The only way you can get it is to pray it back. Just pray it back because it's about that relationship with God. It's about the cleanness and the purity of that kind of living. It's, it's about the simplicity of just walking with him and knowing that he's involved in every part of your life. I want, I want the joy back. Just give me my joy back. He was willing to do anything, lay down anything. And here's a guy that, I mean, you look at, this, you look at David at this point in his life. He had no lack of money. He's very, very wealthy. He could have, and he did have anything and everything he wanted. House full, a palace full of beautiful women. 
best of food and wine and anything you can you can just imagine. I mean, he had friends galore. It was it was the life that everybody would dream about. But David wasn't dreaming. It, he put his head on his pillow at night and he said, "I just drenched my pillow with tears because I just can't stand the way." My life is going right now. I'd do anything to get that joy back. Lord, would you give me the joy? The joy of your salvation. An amazing joy that God brings to us um, through his salvation. And that's really what this is all about. And that's the message that I want to leave you with this morning. I want to go back and let's reread the whole three verses all over again. Of Psalm uh, 51, 9 through 12. Let's go to that last slide. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Maybe you're here this morning and uh, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what he's offering to us. This is, this is why it's the best gift ever. It's because he's saying, listen, um, let's deal with that stuff that's holding you back. That's an obstacle to you enjoying the blessings of God and entering into the fulfillment of, of his purpose for your life. I've got a calling on you. I have a destiny in mind for you. And it may look like you've gone off the edge of a cliff, unable to ever live out that destiny. But I'm, I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going I'm to make a way where there seems to be no way. And I'm going to give you your hope back. Would you bow your heads with me, please? As we close this morning, you're here. Perhaps um, you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. That's the beginning point. Jesus gives us a future because he's dealt with our past. He's got a purpose and he's got a plan for you. You may be filled with disgust this morning. And if so, that's a gift from God too. But along with that, he, all, he wants to bathe you in hope. He's not going to leave you there. He's got something far, far better. I'd love to pray with you before we close this morning. Just... You slip up your hand and say, Pastor Steve, I want to see Christ into my life this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to start out this year dealing with all the junk of the past. Get, just get it out of my life so I don't have to look at it. Don't have to think about it. Be free from that and start on a brand new journey with Jesus. Anybody else before we pray? Just let me see your hand quick and you put it right back down. Thank you. Let's pray together. Jesus, your love is amazing. And uh, your grace is un, it's just beyond our capacity to fully comprehend. This morning we bring ourselves to you. And some of us, like David, just feel that the shame has been exposed. We're confronted with truths about ourselves that we don't like. Said things, done things, thought things that are so completely inappropriate. 
And Lord, would you take all of that, all of the regret, all of the remorse, all of the guilt, all of the condemnation, and completely remove it this morning, completely in this moment. Would you, as you promised in your word, bury it in the sea of your forgetfulness to never be dredged up again. And Lord, lead us into the joy and the hope of your salvation. Lead us, Lord, into an experience, a relationship of love with you that we've never had before. We believe in you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, that you were born a virgin through a virgin birth, that you lived a sinless life, that you died on the cross and took the penalty of our sin, you're resurrected back to life, sitting at the right hand of the Father today, and that you are the one who is offering us this gift of salvation and the joy that accompanies it. Lord, we come into that gift, fully embrace it in Jesus' name.